You're listening to City's Playground, a podcast by Leadership Foundations. I'm Rick Enlow, and I'm here with President Dave Hillis. How you doing, Dave? I'm good, Rick. You know, this is the 40th anniversary of Leadership Foundations, and this happens to be our seventh episode in that series. Very good. Well, you know, what we're doing is uh, we're kind of on the journey uh, through the 40 years, and we're, we're talking to significant people, um, we're telling stories, uh, We've actually identified some milestones and even a few phrases that are foreign to the average human. Like, for instance, uh, Ebenezer Stone, Dave. <laughs> Remind me what's about yeah, what's going well, on. Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think that one and then the other word, too, that I think probably puzzles people a little bit is this word of animaeus. Uh-huh. But in both contexts, Rick, uh, what it lays emphasis on is the importance of memory uh, mm-hmm. for Uh, I think, a healthy organization. And so in the case of the Ebenezer Stone, this was something that God uh, told the Israelites that when some great event took place or something that they saw the demonstration of God's faithfulness, that they were uh, to put some stones together uh, Mm -hmm. so that they would remember that faithfulness uh, into the the future. And in the case of Animaeus, this is an actual word that is used uh, in the uh, the mass when we're remembering, uh, you know, the Lord and mm-hmm. uh, what He did at that night at Calvary. And the idea and the power of the word uh, is that in the act of remembering that you make it present. Mm. And so I think a bit of what we're trying to do with, you know, uh, some of these uh, episodes this year is to, I think, in a very holy way, Rick, um, remember what took place and to somehow then through that remembrance bring it now into the presence so into the present so we can continue to uh, you know allow it to shape us and form us moving forward well, for sure and I, I think one of the great things about this medium which is you know a little bit transcendent from the written word it's the spoken uh, word and that is that we we actually have heard people's voices you know we've heard mm-hmm. from reed and uh, we've heard from a bill we you know we've heard from different ones yeah that, ray bocky yeah and yep. like that are represented in writing in in the book uh, city is playground but to hear their voices um actually does bring uh you know their presence you know into the present i mean it makes that's it's, right it's an active that's engagement exactly right. so yeah now um this particular episode um very very excited about hearing um not only from you know the lead uh, of the the bridge span project but even an overview because a lot of people are certainly aware of um maybe the outcomes like the the wheel of change and you know and the and you know some of the tools that are being used now so successfully in you know in uh in organizing and in getting the work of lf done around the world but the process itself was it's kind of an inside you know uh effort and so it's so great to, to be able to hear about it yeah, it's, uh, you know, every time someone asks me to um, reflect a little bit just on, you know, I'm in my 11th year now, uh, having taken Reed's place and to look, I've, I've been around long enough now to be able to look back over my shoulder and look at some of the harrowing moments, mm-hmm. as well as some that really are quite encouraging. I, I come back time and time again to the bridge span process. Uh, it took place in 2015. Uh, for about six months. Uh, Leslie will jump in when we interview her, talk a bit more about the detail. But, mm-hmm. you know, Rick, you know, whether you want to call it a road to Emmaus, uh, you know, kind of experience, but it was like, 
you know, we were one kind of organization. And I would even go so far as to say I was one kind of leader mm-hmm. prior to the process uh, and then was a different kind of leader, a different kind of organization after the process. A little bit of the context here is I uh, get a phone call one day from Bill Milliken, uh, uh, who LF board member, and uh, he, in Bill's wonderful way, says, uh, hey, I think we should have lunch. Now, a little bit of the humor there is that Bill, of course, lives in Washington, D.C., and I live out here in the West Coast. So where exactly were we going to have lunch? <laughs> and I had this panic moment of, oh, my gosh, I'm getting called to the principal's office. And and, uh, and then I come to find out that Reed wants to come up from Florida to join him. And, you know, I mean, I, I have enough insecurities to kind of go, this this does not feel like a pleasant time. So... I get back there, and, and uh, in the course of the conversation, uh, both Bill and Reed look at me, and they say, well, we, uh, we think that you uh, are ready for Bridgespan. And I'd known about Bridgespan because young uh, Elif had had a previous experience, um, but um, it was really a, an affirmation by them, Rick, to mm-hmm. say, Dave, you, you've somehow gotten through this first phase where you know the wheels could have fallen off we now think you know we're ready to see Bridgman come in so it was really through that lunch uh, that this whole thing got got launched and uh, before I knew it I was uh, you know uh, kind of being interviewed by Bridgespan the other thing that's interesting about Bridgespan Rick is you don't get to choose Bridgespan Um, (laughs) they choose you Uh and um, one of the things that, uh, and Leslie will say much more about this when we talk to her, but that Bridgespan does is when you uh, get taken on as a client by them, they create a team. Uh, there was a team actually of five people from Bridgespan, and we had the very good fortune of having Leslie as, as the lead on this particular project. I should also add that uh, one of the things that took place in the midst of all the work that they did for Leadership Foundations is there was a weekly meeting that I was a part of where Leslie and I would get on the phone. And I would say that there's nothing quite like the special relationship between the the Bridgespan lead and the president of the organization because, of course, it was Leslie that would be coming back and reporting to me uh, the things that they were finding out, and I should say both the good things as well as the uh, the more difficult things. Um, so through that, um, it was uh, she became a remarkable friend, uh, somebody that uh, still to this day, uh, when things come up in leadership foundations, uh, I will uh, take it upon myself to give her a phone call and say, hey, Les, uh, here's what we're thinking about, and what do you think? And she has been gracious with her time and her energy. Um, just a little bit on Leslie. She grew up in a Catholic family in the New York area, uh, got her uh, B.A. from Fordham, uh, her M.B.A. from the Zicklin School of Business uh, at City University of New York. Uh, before joining Bridgespan in 2011, uh, she was with the Miss Foundation for Women. Uh, she is currently uh, a partner at Bridgespan. Uh, she also, uh, with her wife Desiree, have a little boy who came into their life, Rowan, uh, in, on Christmas Day, 2016. Uh, that kind of rivals my own birthday of July 4th. So, But I, I had the pleasure of, uh, I'd heard so much about Desiree, and I actually had the pleasure of meeting her uh, when I was in New York here just a few months ago, and we had lunch together. So, you know, as 
oftentimes these things work, Rick. Um, I remember at the beginning of the bridge span process, it was something that I knew we needed to do as an organization. Uh, and I thought here were some of the outcomes that were going to take place. I had no idea, though, that one of the outcomes would be just this very, very good friendship uh, with with Leslie. So it's it's really a pleasure to uh, introduce our listeners to uh, Leslie McCrell and uh, the work that she does. So, Leslie, great to have you on the phone. Dave, thank you so much. What a pleasure to uh, to hear those words and to recall all the aspects of our getting to know each other in this process. And and aren't you aren't you thankful that I didn't bring up that uh, ugly little fact of uh, what was it, uh, hot hachi ball or whatever it was that uh, <laughs> bocce ball? <laughs> but we'll leave. Oh my goodness. We'll, we'll That's leave. A sore subject. We'll get to that in a bit. <laughs> That's right. We'll leave that for another podcast. So, but anyways, Leslie, uh, I'm here with uh, Rick Enlow, my co-host, and uh, we're really looking forward to this this conversation with you. Uh, I think for many of our listeners, um, you know, they've probably have heard of BridgeSpan. Uh, certainly, uh, we've mentioned it many times on the phone before. But what would be really helpful here at the beginning. As maybe for the layperson, what does BridgeSpan do, uh, and what what has been your role in it? Sure, sure. So BridgeSpan is a nonprofit ourselves. Uh, we and and all of my colleagues here come to this work as mission driven professionals, and we as an organization have a commitment to help reduce poverty, to ensure human rights, and and to meet human needs. And the way we do this, our theory of change is through consulting engagements largely. So with like-minded leaders in the social sector like yourselves, uh, nonprofits and networks, and also with philanthropists or foundations who have giving goals, Hmm. impact goals, aligned with our mission. And our means of impact is, is helping leaders like yourselves and your colleagues make decisions that make the best use of your assets and your capabilities towards the impact goals that we share. We also do some research and publishing to try and move the field on issues that are important in our perspective in helping the sector be more successful. For example, we have a a whole body of work and research that advocates for funders to pay more of the full costs of nonprofit impact rather Mm. than restricting their funding. And I've been at Birchspan, as you mentioned, about seven years. I came from roles with social justice organizations, women leadership organizations. And I'd gone back to school part-time, as you mentioned, to get my MBA because I wanted to add that toolkit to my work. And I found I really enjoyed questions of strategy, which is a lot of what Birchspan does. Mm -hmm. Questions like, how can organizations create a playbook that helps them make good decisions to move towards their goal? Or how do organizations align themselves to achieve that goal? And Brisbane gives me a place to think about that with all different kinds of leaders, including leadership foundations. Yeah, that's great, Leslie. You know, uh, if I recall, too, and maybe you can say a little bit of this, that Bridgespan came out of a company, the Bain Company, that was actually a really successful, or maybe still is a really successful uh, for-profit company. Is that correct? It is. It is. So Bridgespan was founded in 2000, and we were founded by... Uh, two gentlemen who had one one of whom was still with Bain Bain and Company and one of whom had worked at Bain and Company and went on to be a professor of organizational behavior at Harvard 
And the spirit behind Bridgespan's founding was to make available to social sector leaders, mission-driven leaders, the same types of high-quality consulting support and advisory that had been available for decades to the leaders of Mm. corporations around the world. Mm -hmm. And the spirit was that if we care as much about changing the world in a mission-driven way as we do about helping these corporations be successful (laughs) financially, then then we ought to provide, you know, we ought to find a way to provide that same type of high-quality support. And so a lot of our DNA is that of a, a classic, if you will, for-profit consulting firm. We, we work in teams, we take on clients, mm-hmm. we use analytical tools, but we do it in service of our own and, and your own mission-driven goals. Yeah, that's, that's great. Now, within, within BridgeSpan, do you have a, a particular expertise that, like, gets you projects like Leadership Foundations versus others, or maybe say a bit about that as well for our listeners? Sure. I, there's two areas that, that I focus on uh, mostly at, at BridgeSpan. So the first is working with, on the nonprofit side, working with executive teams. Mm. So I work with um, teams like yourselves or, or other executive teams as a unit that says, you know, what does it mean to co-govern an organization? What does it mean to be a high-functioning leader? How can your team be most effective? Uh, and I also think a lot about organizational design. So how do organization structures or behaviors or systems all work in service of and, and not against the strategy you, you've agreed on? Mm-hmm. And for the most part at Bridgespan, I have specialized in working with large nonprofits, nonprofit networks like yourselves. Hmm. That's great. Well, I uh, again, I even as I'm listening to you uh, kind of just articulate a bit about Bridgespan. Leslie, I'm just going back to the many, many times where you did exactly that. Uh, You took leadership foundations. You were able to kind of almost see patterns, I think, that were beginning to be revealed that we were unaware of, and then you were able to put it down on paper in such a way that, uh, uh, you know, we we became such a more effective organization as a result of your work. Um, maybe another question. What uh, before we get into the particular relationship with leadership foundations? But what do you find is maybe the most satisfying thing that you do uh, at Bridgespan? What then on the other side maybe is the difficult area, the things that keep you up at night? Hmm. I do love my job. Uh, I I I find it a real pleasure, and I think this conversation is is a representation of one of the pieces I love the most, which is. We are invited in by committed leaders, by visionary leaders like yourselves, like your colleagues, and you, you put your faith in us that we that we will be good companions mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. vision. Um, that 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 you share your ideas with us and you are transparent about your challenges uh, with us in the hope that we can help you achieve what it is you have committed yourselves to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that. That trust is very special to me. It's one of my favorite parts of the job, and it it puts us in a, in a wonderful place to sort of be at the same, be on the same side of the table as you, and help you realize your aspirations. Mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, there's always a challenge in that as well because it, it can be. There's always some. There's always some trade-off to be made between uh, big aspirations and the realities of the constraints that we have in front of us um, in the world and 
and yet I think there's always something that can be done. And so finding that thing that can be done is, is really what I love. Mm-hmm. And at Bridgestone, we also work in teams. So, you know, not unlike leadership foundations and the spirit of collaboration that I love so much about your work, we share that at Bridgespan. Uh, it's never a solo effort. Yeah. And so I get mm-hmm. wonderful colleagues like those you met, Yari, Alan, Danielle, Thea, mm-hmm. uh, who, who we all partner together to to do what we could you yeah. know, in service of your mission. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think oftentimes, Leslie, and you had such a unique way of doing this, but we oftentimes say in leadership foundations that the single hardest thing to do in leadership uh, is to tell the truth. And um, I think that one of the things that I've oftentimes told people about uh, the experience with you and with leadership foundations uh, is it was like being in a relationship with a benevolent agnostic. And every time I say that, uh, people kind of look at me a little bit quizzical and wonder what I mean. And I said, well, benevolent in the sense that uh, I couldn't say enough good things about the quality, the character of you and your team. Uh, but I said agnostic in the sense that if we didn't have the data um, to support uh, some of the things that we were claiming, uh, you uh, you were, uh, ruthless would not be quite the word I would want to use, but you certainly were going to ask <laughs> very hard questions about, Dave, is that getting you the kind of return on investment? And um, so I, uh, but you do that in such a gracious way. It was, uh, it was really a, uh, a, it was an art form uh, watching you do that. So, well, with that, um, Leslie, I'd love to have you share maybe a little bit here just about, um, you know, leadership foundations. Um, I remember early on us talking about <clears throat> we were a little bit of a one-off, um, I think, in terms of it, what might be considered a normal, uh, with quotes around that, client of Bridgespan. Um, so maybe from the Bridgespan side of things, what drew you as a team and as an organization to even thinking about taking on uh, LF as a, uh, you know, as a client and, uh, and some of the things that maybe were unique to us uh, in terms of the kind of work that you did. Sure. I would say at the outset, what was, what was striking about the Leadership Foundation's opportunity for Bridgespan um, aligns with much of what we look for when we are selecting amongst our clients for our work, which is impact potential and alignment with our shared mission. Hmm. So, you know, on the latter, alignment with our shared mission, we ask, does Leadership Foundations aspire to the same type of world, um, the same type of change in the world that Bridgespan would consider valuable uh, ourselves? And uh, the mission you share amongst your affiliates of urban revitalization, of of making one's community and one's home a safe and vibrant um, and rewarding place to live, um, making one's relationships a source of of happiness and sustenance. Um, That's part of what Bridgespan would like to see in the world as Mm -hmm. well. And on impact potential, certainly we see leadership foundations as an organization that has, has achieved and can continue to achieve great impact. You have a global footprint you manage a unique dynamic between, uh, you know, honoring and equalizing members in various parts of the world mm. um, at various stages of development. You you are intentional about cultivating that global environment so that you're not um, 
restricting the potential for greatness to, to any one part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and you've sought to grow, you've sought to change, and you sought to improve, and you had intentions to keep doing so. Um, and so those are things we really look for in our clients. When it comes to what makes Leadership Foundations unique, uh, so much I could say here, but I, I think the first <laughs> is that you were the first clients with whom I've ever played bocce ball. And, uh, and as you know, I'm, I'm afraid to, li- to mention this to your listeners, but the Brisbane team was unsuccessful in our first bocce ball outing against Leadership <laughs> Foundation. So uh. that is one of my very few regrets from our work together. <laughs> And hopefully, I'll have a chance to to remedy. I, um, I think I think there is. Uh, it's in the air. The uh, the rematch okay. is yeah going to going to happen. Good, good. I'm I'm down for a rematch. You know, I think what was most unique about Leadership Foundations is is also a part of what makes Leadership Foundations successful and wonderful um, as individuals uh, and a, as your network. It's a really highly relational and personal nature to the way you work and the way the, or, the organization and the network developed and grew. Mm. For you as Leadership Foundations, we observed that the personal and the professional really exist on one continuum. Mm. And, and working with Leadership Foundations for us as Bridgespan was a sort of a lived experience into the way that local Leadership Foundations believe community change happens. It's, it's the value and recognition of and, and trust in a person, not just respect because of one's title or one's office. Mm-hmm. And, and we heard from you that that motivates change on the ground, and we felt and observed in you that that is how you operate yourselves as individuals. Mm-hmm. So you have a unique blend of, of personal intimacy that we, we sought to maintain and preserve and celebrate even as we helped you to establish guidance and, and expectations and systems that would help you improve. Yep, that's, uh, that's very well said. You know, Les, I think uh, maybe to take a half step back, what might be really helpful, again, for our listeners is uh, to describe um, kind of some of the dimensions of the project itself in terms of what you and your team did over the course of, you know, the five, you know, almost six months that you worked with us um, in terms of some of the phases, I think that would be really helpful for our listeners. Sure. So if if I can recall correctly, the project was about five or six months long. Mm-hmm. And um, the initial charge, you know, what Leadership Foundations sought to accomplish by bringing in Bridgespan was to take stock of the network at its current state of progress, learn what it could from speaking to internal and external stakeholders about what direction the network ought to take, um, arrive at a, a shared understanding of what should be the network's priorities, what what should be its um, animating functions or connective tissue, if you will, and and what would be required for for you all as a network to bring that to pass. Um, you were looking for ways to increase the uh, performance and capabilities of your members, and you were looking for ways to increase the performance and capabilities of the central functions of the network. Mm-hmm. So that ultimately you all in collaboration with each other could be more successful in achieving the impact goals you've established and attracting resources to that good work. 
We undertook, um, I guess I would characterize it as perhaps four phases. The, the first phase was very exploratory. So I recall mm-hmm. coming out to meet, meet with you and a group of your steering committee members in Tacoma mm-hmm. uh, to hear your initial thoughts on the vision and direction of the network. That, that group included board members, it included uh, local leadership foundation presidents and others. We also engaged in a, a, a fact-finding, if you will, looking at the data of the network. How many members? Where are they? How old? What is their experience? Uh, interviews with local leadership foundations, uh, board members, uh, other staff members who reflected on what they saw as the opportunities and challenges. And we brought all that information to the launch of the second phase, which was uh, the president's meeting uh, a couple of months into the process. We had a few days, I can speak more about this, but we had a few mm-hmm. days for for the, the group that had assembled to really sit with and simmer in the fact base, if you will. Uh, and Bridgespan's role there was to say, Here, you know, here's what we've observed. Here's what you've shared with us. Here's what we've observed. Um, here's sort of what we make of it based on how we've seen other networks uh, move through stages of development. Here's what might be useful for you to consider at this next stage. And that group reached some decisions related to key aspects of of the network's direction. Mm -hmm. And then we moved into building out some of the frameworks, the signature frameworks, if you will, that that had been proposed as a part of the future direction. Um, Things like the the wheel of change and the three functions or the stages of impact, um, all of which are terms of art at Leadership Foundations now, but we can say more (laughs) about. Yep. and 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 really building out what would those look like? How would they function? How would they be valuable? What would what would be in them? What would it take? And then we worked in the in the final the parts of the project to um, to affirm all of this to figure out you know what the price tag would be if you will mm-hmm. to endorse the plan with with your board and to figure out the first steps in implementation so that leadership foundations could could begin to make the pivots you'd agreed upon. That's a that's a wonderful I think summary Leslie and I, I want in particular drill into the uh, the president's board meeting out there at Lady Lodge which again sadly I'm going to have to bring up the bocce ball experience for you um, but my goodness yeah but I to give a, again our listeners a little bit of context we that was part of the uh, rules of engagement with you all is that we would have this this gathering. Uh, interestingly enough, Rick, this was a place we decided to hold it at Lady Lodge, um, and Lady Lodge is out in West Texas. Um, your first time there is always a little bit frightening because you come up upon a river, and then you go, well, there's nowhere to go, and then you say, you know, you take a left and drive up a river, and finally you get to this lodge, and it's, uh, it's wonderful, but the reason we picked it was that Leadership Foundations had used this for many years as kind of a place back in our wild and woolly days where we would just gather and, uh, you know, smoke cigars, drink scotch, uh, try to figure out how to take a next step together. And, of course, uh, we were never able to do that. In fact, it really became almost a symbol of a place where we would show up do the cigars and scotch, but end up actually kind of fighting with one another. And finally, at some point, someone would say, well, do we want to do this one more time? And someone would say yes, and then we would wait a year and then show up there. So that gives you context for when Leslie and her team showed up. Uh, There were a number of us that were a little bit anxious. Would this be another place where we would have a little bit of a, a civil war? 
And there was a particular exercise uh, that Leslie uh, and her team led us through. And I think, Leslie, I'd love to hear your own comment on this, but this, this was a moment that, for me, uh, when the history of Elephant gets written will be a bit transcendent <clears throat> because Leslie was having us uh, look at the three functions, which now uh, we later termed is the wheel of change, but at that point we hadn't named it that yet. And she had broken us up into groups, and we were working on, you know, leaders of good faith and goodwill, uh, building the capacity of others, uh, developing joint initiatives. And Leslie very <clears throat> smartly, <clears throat> excuse me, was asking us, well, which comes first? Uh, is one more important than the other? And again, all of these questions. And there were so many places that we could have, you know, gotten sideways with one another. But there was this collective moment, and Leslie, you'll remember, where we said, no, it's it's all three. Um, and it's working them working together, which really is the secret sauce of a leadership foundation uh, in a local city. And in pretty quick order, it became then clear that the central office exists for no other reason than to increase local leadership foundation's mastery of that wheel of change. And I, Leslie, I don't even know if I've ever said this to you as directly as I am now, but I really feel like before that meeting, we were one kind of organization. After that meeting, we became an entirely different kind of organization. Still had all of the, you know, uh, relationship and personal stuff that Leslie mentioned, but there was a, a kind of clarity that surfaced at that moment uh, that, that has been an absolute uh, game changer for leadership foundations moving forward. Uh, the next piece, of course, that we have made great use of is that Leslie and her team, once they had kind of um, been able to curate that, that you know, secret sauce of ours, uh, that then put a tool together called the Stages of Impact Tool, which has now gone through many evolutions, uh, but our entire uh, network is now making use of it. And Leslie, you'll be happy to know that this year, uh, of our members, 94% uh, of them all filled it out on time. Um, it's just, a, again, just a remarkable thing. But Leslie, maybe for you to make some comments on that meeting, and do you kind of remember it the same way I did, where there was a kind of, um, yeah, kind of a, a tr something took place there that I think really uh, changed the whole thing. So I'd love to hear your comments on that. And then if you want to say anything about bocce ball as well, you can do that. I'd prefer not to speak of the bocce ball again, so I'll just talk about the meeting if that's okay. Yes. It was a wonderful time. It was a wonderful time. I have to say there there was something special about that place for us as well, and and not just because it was the first time Bridgeband team members had seen each other in their pajamas, although I think that it was also <laughs> the first time Bridgeband team members had seen each other in their pajamas. Um, right. But once we once we forded the river together, we were we were really up for anything. Yeah. Um, and and another uh, memorable experience of note for, for me there was we had a, a member of our team uh, in in her mid twenties, but who was a a dyed in the wool New Yorker and thus didn't have her driver's license, um, which she didn't tell me until after she'd asked if she could drive the rental car around the property Lady <laughs> <Playity> Lodge. <laughs> That's great. So. So I count my blessings that 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 trip ended well. Um, 
it was a special time. It, it came at, at a great moment in the project where we'd had the opportunity to speak with so many of the folks in attendance individually and hear from them what, in their perspective, had made Leadership Foundation such a success and also what were the mm. the choice points in the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what they believed Leadership Foundations truly had to wrestle with in order to break through to the next stage of impact. And And I think... To be transparent, and no surprise to you, Dave, I think the central challenge we were seeking to help you surmount in that meeting was what to do, um, how to thread the needle between the diversity and the continued wish for diversity of the network and also the desire and, and need operationally and strategically for some type of connective tissue, some shared core. Exactly. And that meeting was really about um, finding what that shared core could be. You know, you didn't aspire to become a network that was homogenous in size or location or language or culture or context, but you did aspire to have something that you believed was authentically signature to being a leadership foundation. And, and you wanted to name this so that you could identify to yourselves and to others outside the network what was unique about being a leadership foundation. And, and you sought to name it so that you could help do more of it, so mm-hmm. that you could put your finger on what impact required and help yourselves to, to become better at it over time. So, you know, we by the time we got to Texas, we had heard a range of perspectives on what this connective tissue was or, or what it could be. And there was uh, there was a little bit of the parable of the elephant going on. Uh, sometimes the viewpoints sounded mm-hmm. as though they were talking about the same network, and sometimes they sounded as though they were describing quite different networks. <laughs> and that I think is a is a testament to to the independent nature of of the members, but also to the wide variety of ways in which people had created impact in their community. Uh, it spoke to the fact that, you know, the, that whatever the answer was here, it couldn't be overly prescriptive um, or it wouldn't it wouldn't bend in the ways it needed to uh, for local communities. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, you had already articulated the three functions you named, uh, engaging others of good faith and goodwill, building the capacity of others and developing joint efforts. And our interviews had validated that. These functions were present in some form in many local leadership foundations, but not all, mm-hmm. uh, and rarely in the sort of same ratio or, or the same articulation of, of integration. You know, some, some local leadership foundations did lots of initiative building, but, but less building capacity or, or vice versa. Um, yeah, exactly. And they certainly weren't, they weren't articulated at that time as being sort of co-equal and and. Um, and integrated in the way that they are now. It sort of seems inevitable in conclusion, but it really mm-hmm, wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, when we when we pulled up to Texas. And at the session, in small groups, you grappled with this question, what should characterize all local leadership foundations? What is the critical common denominator? What makes you different than other organizations who are who are also building community? Mm-hmm. And... And again, you know, with with hindsight, seems obvious, but there were actually a range of options on the table at that point. You Abs- know, absolutely, leadership foundations could be a network that became known for just one of the functions, like incubating initiatives. Some of the youth development you'd work work mm-hmm. you had done, mm-hmm. um, you know, might lead one to believe that should be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or you could say, gosh. 
you know, we're asking local leadership foundations to specialize in one and, and we'll segment the network into three groups, um, mm-hmm. you know, so that these specializations can share best practices. And, and at the session, one of the exercises we, we did to, to spur the type of healthy disagreement, I think, and then later consensus building that came about was to, to ask you to, to come into groups and imagine yourselves into a future, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine yourself mm-hmm. into a future where Leadership Foundations is characterized by great community initiatives. Um, imagine yourselves into a future where the network has small segmented groups of specialization within it. Um, imagine yourselves into a future where there is no connective tissue. What would that feel like? How would you govern? Um, you know, would it would it achieve the impact you've collectively agreed is important? And I think it was, I think in my observation, it was that living into these potential futures that caused folks to, to come back together and say, these, these don't play out. <laughs> these don't play out the way we, we want ourselves to play out, even though they have some elements that might be attractive to me individually, or yeah. you know, this, this yeah. one does seem like it would be a little bit less work for me in the short term, but probably a lot more in the long term. And it was uh, that experience that, that we found brought a consensus to the group about the very intentional and balanced and integrated use of the functions. Yeah. I think importantly also folks could folks could recognize in their past success that those successes were grounded in times when all three functions were present. Mm-hmm. And those stories I think helped helped validate the direction. Yeah, it's so true, Leslie. I just you know, there's a old testament scholar by the name of Walter Brueggemann, and he's got a book called The Prophetic Imagination. And uh, one of the things that he says about particularly the Old Testament prophets is that uh, their effectiveness in part was their ability um, to imagine, you know, a a future. And uh, I I love the way you just framed that, because I do remember that. And uh, as we were kind of living into those futures, you know, you were asking us to imagine um, that was exactly what took place. It's like, no, that's not quite it. And well, what about, and, and I think through that, um, you know, we came up with uh, what we now have today, which again has absolutely revolutionized uh, LF as an organization all the while. And I think this is a part of the beauty of it. It's protected that wonderful entrepreneurial spirit that we have in our local leadership foundation presidents. Um, they are still free to love their city uh, in whatever way they are, you know, moved. Uh, the wheel of change just happens to be, you know, a way to do that now uh, that still allows this enormous freedom. So, Rick, do you, uh, as you're mm-hmm. listening here, yeah, well, wow, I, I have pages of notes in front of me now. <clears throat> I'm getting free consultation. But, hey, Leslie, the one question I had, you know, when you talked about um, your interest in organizational design and especially, you know, systems, you know, that can uh, co-govern and, you know, lead executive teams, um, where did you, did you see anything in the LF model when you first uh, engaged it that you thought, hmm, this is kind of counterproductive or, you know, the like, in other words, were you able to sort of perceive and sniff out ways that um, that things were organized in contrast to what we're, you know, what the narrative was? You know, this is we're here to change the city, but then you look and saw, yeah, that's interesting. You know, was there anything that popped out that way organizationally? I w- uh, I don't think I would characterize it in in perhaps the 
the stark terms you used, but I, I might rather say that there were, we observed that there were perhaps balances that, that leadership foundations had been trying to strike that weren't always landing on quite the right side of the balance for impact. Or, or perhaps said another way, there were, um, there were circumstances that, that leadership foundations um, had accepted the consequences of um, in order to preserve other things that, that were thought to be incredibly important and that are incredibly important. And and there there was space anew in this engagement, I think, to reopen some of those questions about where the balance could be. Yeah, yeah. Um, just as one example, uh, you know, when we began the engagement with leadership foundations, the leadership foundations roster, if you will, membership roster, um, reflected organizations with a very broad range of um, levels of connection to the network and a very broad range of levels of participation in services or opportunities that the network offered. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions that leadership foundations came to the table ready to ask themselves was, you know, we, we aspired to grow the network and we aspired to do it in a highly relational way. And we, um, we prioritized being welcoming and inclusive for the majority of our growth process. And we're wondering anew now whether that is the philosophy that should characterize how we attract members. Yeah. And whether we ought um, look to strike a different balance to, to, you know, to not, to not, to not, you know, take the spectrum from being incredibly broad to incredibly narrow, but would it be useful to us from an impact perspective to tighten up slightly in one way or another so that we have uh, slightly more homogenous experiences with our members and levels of commitment from our members. Yeah, or right. Dave, if that resonates with you. Well, I definitely have noticed that from the outside, just being an observer. And uh, again, to me, it's just another, um, it's just, it directs us once again to the grand metaphor of the bocce ball that the, you know, it's, it was the organizations that were closest to the little white ball that we started to pay attention to versus the ones that didn't make it all the way. Um, no, maybe I'm pushing the metaphor, but anyway, if you ever need anybody to put things starkly, you give me a call. Uh, but I think I think you're right. I think I, I was. So, <laughs> I know so little about the rules of bocce ball that I can't even tell if that <laughs> metaphor is precisely right. Which which goes, you know, tells you everything you need to know about why my team was so poor at, at bocce ball. <laughs> you know, I, uh, Leslie, I would say that I think you articulated again uh, perfectly what. Uh, what was needed and you know i uh, think you know you've heard me use this you know metaphor or actually this story before that when i uh, <clears throat> took over from reed my predecessor um, i had just done some uh you know uh, work on leadership foundations and our theology and that of course is where we coined the term uh, city as playground uh, versus battleground and that that in my thesis i was arguing that you know, this is uh, the particular gift and charism that first went to Sam Shoemaker and then to Reed and to the rest of us. And I likened us to Catholic orders, um, and I've always been um, impressed with them. But then I went on to say that uh, unlike the Benedictines, where it takes you seven years to be a Benedictine and it takes you 13 years to be a Jesuit, uh, as best as I can tell under Reed Carpenter, you could become uh, a leadership foundation in about half a night if you liked uh, good scotch and cigars. 
and that that was going to be the great challenge is how do we crisp up that process um, in such a way that it makes uh, everyone sit up just a little bit straighter but still uh, is uh, very open and inclusive. And so um, I think you all putting your finger on that tension um, and coming up with really the wheel of change and then the SOI tool uh, became exactly the mechanism which you know now allows us uh, to do exactly that. And one of the things that we've done, which has really been uh, exciting, is we've incorporated all of that now into our membership steps process so that uh, when a city, and we have about 30 of them right now, uh, express interest uh, in becoming an LF member, um, all of the things that Leslie and her team came up with are now baked into the process in such a way uh, that we've had many that, you know, I mean, once they see the SOI tool, for example, it's like, oh, oh, so this is this is going to require some work. Um, and here are the kind of services, you know, that are going to be provided and that those uh, also are going to require a kind of commitment like meeting with your senior associate uh, every month. I mean, these are the non-negotiables now that have got incorporated into LF um, and that's all a result of, uh, of Bridgespan. The other story that I think I would tell, Leslie, I, I remember this, um, and this is one of those benevolent agnostic moments. Um, we had forever uh, had a annual training institute, um, and it was something that, you know, again, is one of those sacred cows to be sure, uh, and every year we would have it, and it required an enormous amount of work. And all the while we were doing it, of course, the numbers were getting thinner and thinner. And I, I still remember uh, the conversation with Leslie where she basically says, so Dave, we need to talk about the Institute. Um, and again, because this was handed to me by my predecessor, it's like, we can't talk about the Institute. I mean, we can talk about everything else. But it was, uh, you know, Leslie again presenting the data you know, talking about uh, a new way of moving forward, uh, we got rid of it. And uh, we had had that thing for, I think, the better part of, I mean, probably 20 years. So that would be another example, I think, Rick, going to your uh, point of what Bridgespan did and how they grabbed a system that didn't work and then replaced it with a, a whole new way of moving forward. Well, I want to thank you, Leslie, for uh, you know your time today. And also, uh, for me, one of the big takeaways uh, I wrote down was uh, as you talked about uh, being invited into this, you know, uh, into this endeavor, and then you know, experiencing uh, trust and transparency and all that. But I love that line you said: uh, you have to take a look at aspirations and constraints, and then find out something that can be done. <laughs> and I think that's such a great um, takeaway for me. It just in a lot of different arenas of life, you know, because th there is that tension between aspiration and constraint, you know, in all of our lives. But then, you know, in the middle somewhere there, you know, there are things that can be done, you know, and I think that um, that's inspiring for me. And I, I thank you for uh, not only the whole, you know, the the ongoing relationship that Bridgespan is having with leadership foundations, but certainly for for uh, spending time with us today. Appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Yep. And the last thing I, uh, Rick, would say to you and to our listeners, I, uh, this is a good way of think of concluding our time with Leslie, but we, uh, when we went through this process with Bridgespan, what came out was essentially a three-year plan 
that we have been uh, operationalizing now for the last uh, three years. Um, of course, this year uh, we are in our 40th um, capital campaign, and it's a $12.5 million uh, deal that we're going after. And we, on the front end of it, we're beginning to make up the budget. Uh, and, you know, things like investment in our senior associates, uh, which that strategy, for example, was another thing that uh, Leslie and, and the Bridgespan Group, uh, you know, really gave shape to and, and strengthened. Uh, you know, the Colangelo Carpenter Innovation Center, we're money for that. But one of the elements uh, in the budget process was me going, you know, our three years are, is up. Uh, you know, we don't have a, another plan from Bridgespan for another three years. Um, wouldn't it be great to have another time with Bridgespan? And so, of course, I didn't know quite how all of this worked. So I called or probably emailed Leslie and Yari and said, hey, we're putting the uh, 40th uh, budget together <clears throat> and would love to include you all in on the front end of this. Um, is How does this work? I mean, can we can we do that? Will you take us on again? Do we do we get, you know, second times around and more importantly for me rick was i said let's i don't know if this is presumptuous but you know i want bridgespan if you're the project lead again and so um leslie and gary very graciously said you know we would love to uh to take uh, lf on again uh if if opportunity provides so at least at this point um you know if we are able to raise the money <clears throat> in the way that we hope to um, I will be, you know, in the not too distant future, I hope, back on the phone with Leslie working out um, kind of what uh, Bridgespan 2.0 with LF uh, will look like moving forward. And I think in some ways that's the highest compliment I can give uh, Leslie um, is that we want her back. Uh, she made us bigger and better and broader. And, uh, and so, um, again, along with the friendship, uh, the whole LF network uh, is, is completely indebted to you, Leslie, and your team for all that you brought. So thank you, and thank you for this time on the podcast. We appreciate the opportunity to, to be alongside you all. Honestly, it was, it was our privilege, and I, there's nothing I would like more than to, to get back in the ring, especially for the bocce ball, but, but for the work as well. Code name rematch. <laughs> exactly. Great. Well, thanks. Thanks, exactly. Leslie. Well, and thank uh, you yep, you're great. Thank you. Wow, that was so insightful and so amazing. And mm -hmm. also, once again, demonstrated to me that people that are organizational geniuses not always athletic, you know, the, the bocce ball, <laughs> but Hey, that's okay. And also though, I think I feel that, I feel that that rematch is, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's brewing. The, yeah. the real culprit in this though was, uh, Eric Geary, our leadership foundation oh, yeah. president in Lexington. Eric is one of those guys that it's like, if you can figure out to be a professional and things like spoons, bocce ball, yes. I mean, whatever the, the yard game. Yeah. And, and so it was Eric that kind of put that together and got a little bit spiteful with old <laughs> Leslie and team well, I, and crushed that, them. I think the thing that's great is if they were somehow to have spent the last, you know, year uh, really, you know, getting their bocce ball, uh, you know, act together and they did prevail, I think spoons would be right, right behind it. And they, they'd, then they'd be in trouble again. That's but right. yeah, that's true. Well, listen, uh, I, I really do like the, the metaphor though. People that don't know about bocce ball, mm -hmm. you, you toss this little white ball that's called something like, you know, kind of the goal. And then you just roll these other balls, you know, of various team colors and you try to get as close as you can. Mm -hmm. I think there's something about that. I think that the, uh, 
the idea of LF as a as a network is is you know these separate cities hmm. you know that are all you know different textures different colors you know but they are all attracted or you know in some proximity like to something I central like I like and it. I think the the bridge band did you know help uh, to articulate what that is mm -hmm. what is it that's central uh, what I loved about um, uh, one of the things she mentioned was um, we we you know you work to try to find the signature of the organization mm -hmm. and then you name it mm -hmm. you know and I think that's the case that that the challenge of of saying hey we are not looking for um, you know uh, LF to be uh, like McDonald's where you know I mean when so somebody puts a new McDonald's in you never say to yourself I wonder what it's like <laughs> but right. you know when it comes to right. LF each city is right. unique right and yet there is a uh, there is a signature yep. and I think the you know the the wheel of change and the, uh, the you know the tools that uh, have been made available to evaluate that a, a huge blessing yeah and, uh, and you know as we were talking before you know, one of the ways we can see God's signature in an endeavor is it's it's a kind of the win-win thing. I mean, it's it's you know uh, everybody benefits, and mm -hmm. I actually think that mm -hmm. you know listening, I feel like that uh, you know the LF also made a contribution to Bridgespan in the sense that you know they there were some takeaways that then will uh, become valuable to other organizations that they help. So it was yeah. really cool. Yeah, in fact. Uh that's a really good statement, Rick. One of the things that happened was uh, Leslie, probably about uh, three months ago or something, called up and said, hey, I want to let you know that uh, Bridgespan had our big gathering you know, once a year where all the consultants from around the world will show up, and they always lift up uh, projects that they've been working on as you know, kind of, you know, here's what we can learn from them. Mm -hmm. And LF was one of those projects. Oh, that's um, great. And so that was really quite, quite affirming. Um, and then the other piece uh, with uh, with that as well is that Leslie was, you know, I think a person who somehow just instinctively, you know, understood um, kind of who we were. I mean, one of the things mm -hmm. she mentioned was that issue of trust, yeah. you know, that we really, you know, kind of lean in and say, okay, I mean, here's, yeah. you know, here's the keys to the car. And it is, a, I would say, again, as, as the you know, president, that there's a moment of, as you're letting go of those keys, it's like, wow, what form is it going to come back to me in? Mm -hmm. But the, the thing that I think was really most important was this idea of what I would describe as, uh, as the concrete. Um, I think that one of the things, Rick, that, that the Holy Spirit does, um, and this is what sometimes scandalizes us, is it's moving away from a Gnosticism, right? A kind of ethereal mm -hmm. sort of up there in the sky and yeah. just says okay what does this look like on the ground you know I mean Peter Drucker says this interesting thing if you can't measure it then you can't improve it mm -hmm. and I remember early on being a bit offended by that in part I mean I, I have a kind of disposition that likes the poetic and um, yeah. you know sort of the, but I think as a as the the leader mystic yeah there you go <laughs> But I think as a, as a leader of an organization, um, to take that step and say, you know, we, if the incarnation is true, mm -hmm. then, yeah, by definition, right, it probably ought to be able to be measured. Yeah. And now we have to do the very hard work and the tricky work of what is it that we're going to measure. Yeah. And uh, so I think I'm sure people could tell based on Leslie's comments. I mean, we were in the hands of a, of a maestro that 
that again knew who we were understood our kind of dna but kept pushing us prodding us in these really lovely elegant ways to say let's measure this Uh, you'll be better for it moving forward well and i think uh you know the two things she mentioned was um you know these you know the value-based idea of the mission and then also the impact potential and i loved how she talked about that um, lf has a global footprint but but a, a non-restrictive. I thought that was a great way to say it because yeah, it was she was just saying like, you know, we're not saying that, um, hey, you know, God really loves, uh, you know, this city more than that city or this person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that I, I appreciate your, you know, talking about Gnosticism because, I mean, from what I know, uh, certainly, um, you know, that the idea that what is spiritual is separate from what is material and exactly. i think that's that's a danger in you know an organization you know and All so that time. i think bridge helped bring that together and say look you know if it's spiritual then you know it's we're going to be able to see it and, and you know and explain it so well thanks again for your time dave and you know uh, this is episode seven and that is uh by you know some uh standard uh the most spiritual of all a holy episodes. number <laughs> <laughs> the holy number yeah but anyway look forward to episode eight yep rick great thank okay. you okay